the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You see, that's what he's saying here. If there's any incentive that comes from God's love, then love others that way. Love others that way. You see, the moment you receive Christ, the Bible says the Spirit of God comes into your life and He sheds the love of God abroad in your heart. That is to say, you have the capacity to love. You maybe didn't love, well, not maybe, before Christ, you didn't love. You maybe put on a good front, you maybe smiled a lot, but you didn't really love. But now in Christ, you have that capacity to love. And when we remember how much God loves us, that's the example and that's the incentive and the motivation to love others. But can we love someone with whom we have a difference of opinion? We can if we let God dwell in us. Before I came to Christ for salvation, he and I disagreed. I wanted to be Lord of my own life, but God wanted to be the Lord. In spite of our deep disagreement, he demonstrated his love for me in that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. In the same way, we can love and be united with our fellow believers, even when we have strong disagreements. That God-given ability is an essential ingredient in church unity. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff will be sharing from Philippians chapter 2 some motives for unity. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His expository, or verse-by-verse teaching ministry, has grown to include these daily broadcasts produced by -by verse-by-verse ministries. There is a class of diseases called autoimmune diseases. These happen when the body's immune system attacks certain other parts of the body. I have a friend who has Crohn's disease, which has damaged his digestive system and forced him to make drastic changes in his diet in order to survive. When the parts of our body don't get along, the effects can range from annoying to fatal. The same is true in the body of Christ. Local churches and even whole denominations have disappeared because of spiritual autoimmune diseases. Let's turn now to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, and see some reasons that we should want to work for unity in our congregations. Here is Pastor Steve. Now in verse 1, Paul gives four arguments for spiritual unity. That is to say, he appeals to four spiritual truths that ought to motivate us to live in harmony with each other. Now these are solid, solid theological truths. However, when you read verse 1, you might not understand that. So let me read it and then we'll explain it. Chapter 2, verse 1. If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion. Now let's stop there. You say, wait a minute. Solid theological truths? He keeps saying if. If there's any, if doesn't sound solid to me. Well, let me explain. There are a number of different ways to use the word if. You could say, if you do this, then that would be good. That is to say, if you possibly do this, then I think that would be good. 
that is a doubt. That is a question in your mind. But you might also say, I might say to my wife, I'm going to the store after church. And she'll say, if you're going to the store, then get, pick up some milk. There's a sense of certainty there. It doesn't mean if you happen to be going, I told her I was. So since you are going, that's probably a better word. Think of since, since you are going. Or if you have to think of if, then think of if you are going, and you certainly are, especially if my wife tells me I'm going, I certainly am. If you are going and you certainly are, then do this. That's, that's the thought here. It's a, it's a, uh, a word of certainty. Now, Gene Getz, in his very uh, good and, and little commentary on Philippians, but very good, says this, and I thought I would read it to you because it's helpful. He says, to get hold of what Paul said, suppose that you have attended a Christian college that has meant a great deal to you. In fact, you came to know Christ there. The Christian professors helped you learn to live for Christ in a mature way. You met a wonderful girl there who became your wife, or you met a tremendous man who became your husband, and you were given the necessary training to prepare you for a life vocation. Now you're graduating. As you do, I approach you and I say, if you've been encouraged at all in this school, if you appreciate what you've learned, if you are grateful for the environment that enabled you to meet a fine Christian person to become your mate, if you are grateful for the preparation for a life vocation, then be sure to support this school with your prayers and financial resources. Do you get the picture there? If these things are true, and the assumption is they certainly are true, then there's gratitude expected from you. Then there's a response that's expected. Now that's what Paul is doing in verse 1. It's a fourfold argument that we need to consider to remember the next time a disagreement comes up. Now, I want you to understand that that is a natural that's not normal. When you have a disagreement, a conflict with somebody in the body of Christ, uh, the last thing you and I think about is doctrine, right? The last thing I want to think about when somebody disagrees with me is doctrine. Four great theological truths. But I want you to know those are the motives. That's the way Paul presents it. The next time you're thinking of having a disagreement and asserting your own rights, you need to stop in your mind. In fact, it would be good to memorize verse 1 and say, but wait a minute. If there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any love of the Spirit or consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, then I'm not going to fight with you. That's what needs to go on in our minds. So let's, let's begin looking at this and we'll see that there are four arguments he gives, four motives, four incentives. He appeals to them four ways, solid truths. He says, if therefore there is any encouragement in Christ... Let me paraphrase this for you. If therefore there is any encouragement that comes from being united with Christ, I think that that is the thought that Paul has in mind. You have to add some words to it, but I think that that is the intention. If therefore there is any encouragement that comes from being united with Christ. You see, the phrase in Christ almost always refers to uh, the, the faith, the fact that the moment we came to Christ, we became united with him. We became one with him. You are united with Christ if you know Christ. God looks at you in union with Jesus Christ. You don't operate over here and he's over here. From a spiritual standpoint, you are together. You are one with him. And that's what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. And if you want, you can turn there. John 17 verse 11. He said this, he said, as he prayed before he was crucified and went to be with the Father, I'm no longer, no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. The believers are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep them in thy name, the name which thou hast given me, that they may be what? 
one, even as we are one. There is a unity there between God the Father and God the Son. And what Jesus is saying is, Father, the same kind of unity that we have, the same spiritual unity, I ask you to make that true of myself and my men, my disciples. It goes on in verse 12 and says this, While I was with them, I was keeping them in thy name, which thou hast given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He said, I I, I kept them that they might be one. I kept them so that we might be together. Verse 20, he goes on to explain this. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. That is to say, I am praying for all the believers down through the ages, not just those who are with me today. Verse 21, and here's his prayer, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that thou didst send me. When the world looks at us and sees us operating with harmony, even though we might disagree on things, and sees us not asserting our own rights and sees us as servants to one another, then the world has to take note that there's some reality to this thing they call Christianity. That's what he's saying. But we are one with Christ. Let's look over at Ephesians, just one one book back from Philippians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul speaks of this unity. In verse 4, he says... There is one body, one body. He says in verse 3, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body. In other words, that there is a unity that we have. All we can do is mess it up. If we just leave it alone, it'll be fine. But there is a unity that we have. And then he explains we have one body. The body of Christ is not divided as far as God is concerned. It is one. It is one with him. So what Paul is saying is this. The fact that we are in Christ and with Christ and with other believers in a oneness ought to encourage us or exhort us to act in unity and harmony. When I realize that I am one with you, you are one with me, regardless of our petty differences, I am going to work at acting out that harmony with you. And I'm not going to assert my own rights. That's what he's saying. You see, if you look at others in the church as brethren, as family then you'll be encouraged to treat them as family members. That's why you need to get involved in the church. That's why you can't just be spectators. That's why you can't just come Sunday morning and leave right away and not know anybody and not interact because you'll never see them as brethren that way. You need to get involved. You need to be to be active. You need to minister. You need to be ministered to. You see, the argument is based on the fact of what the cross has done. At the cross, we have all become one in Christ. There are no distinctions. There are no distinctions. Yes, there's different backgrounds, but no distinctions. Paul's great message in Ephesians 2 is that I mean, the middle wall of partition is down. It's divided. There's no animosity between Jew and Gentile in Christ now. That's what he says. The story is told shortly after the Civil War that um, the slaves were set free in the South. And in a, uh, I believe it was an Episcopalian church, they invited people to come up for communion in the church service, and a black man came up, and there was still some real tension in the South, probably still is today, and ought not to be, but especially after the Civil War, of that black man taking communion with white people. And there was some tension. You could have cut the air, I'm told, as I have heard this story, and the church wasn't sure what to do. But up from the crowd, a man arose, a white man arose, and came forward, and put his arm around that black man, and they took communion together. The man who did that was General Robert E. Lee, the head of the Confederate forces. Now, he fought for what he believed in, but yet he understood that at the cross, we're all the same. 
There's no distinction. In Christ, we are one. You need to understand that. I need to understand that. There are too many divisions in churches because of, of social differences, racial differences, economic backgrounds. People tend to associate only with those who they feel comfortable with, only those who are middle class, just like they are, or wealthy like they are. And yet the Bible says that we need to understand that we are one in Christ with every other believer. And there's a great unity there. Great unity. You are listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, and has been serving there since 1981. Here he is now to tell us about something very special. Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. Thank you for listening to Verse by Verse Radio. This ministry exists to glorify God through the teaching of His Word as people come to faith in Christ and grow in Him. I'm pleased to let you know that God is using this ministry to transform lives. Not too long ago, I met a medical doctor who, after listening to the program, trusted Christ as his Savior. And I've met many others who testify that their faith has been strengthened by listening to these broadcasts. As a faithful listener to Verse by Verse, I feel you should know that this ministry needs your financial support. It's costly to prepare and broadcast these programs, and we can only continue to do so if our listeners support this ministry. So I would ask you to please consider giving a gift as a way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing this program to help you in your Christian walk. All gifts to Verse by Verse are tax-deductible. You can give via PayPal on our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you and strengthen you as you continue to listen to verse by verse. But in addition, I also want you to know about a book I've written about romance and marriage. It's called The Pleasures of Marriage, and it's a verse by verse exposition of the Song of Solomon. This book is available on Amazon.com. Once again, it's called The Pleasures of Marriage, and it can be obtained on Amazon.com. So thank you again for your faithful support of verse by verse. Would you lay down your life for a friend? Well, it happens in movies all the time. Sometimes it happens in real life. And sometimes it's easier to die for a friend than it is to bear with one another and forgive our friends. Here is Pastor Steve to continue our lesson. So that's what he's saying in Philippians. If therefore there is any encouragement that comes from being in Christ, then act it out. Because the cross And being united with Christ ought to be a persuasion and ought to be an encouragement to us to tear down those barriers and to put our arms around one another and take communion with one another. He goes on to give another motivation. The second phrase of verse 1, if there is any consolation of love. The word consolation or comfort, as it's translated in some versions, is probably better translated encouragement or incentive. Incentive. If there's any incentive that comes from God's love, is there any incentive that is that, that God's love provides for us? Now, what does he mean by that? You see, Paul's argument is this. When we remember how much God loves us, then it becomes our great incentive to love others in the same way. It's not very deep. You've got to remember that God loves you unconditionally. I was sharing with someone this week that uh, I always got the impression from my home that... Uh, 
this probably wasn't the case, but I always got the impression that if I was a well-behaved young boy, then my parents loved me. And if I wasn't, well, there was some doubt about it. That they, they probably didn't mean to communicate that, but that's the impression I got. But I remember when someone shared the gospel with me when I was a university student at South Florida, and someone shared Christ's love for me, God's love for me, and, and I remember lying in the top bunk on my bed in the dorm room, and all of a sudden God's love gripped me, that I didn't have to behave a certain way, and I didn't have to do a certain thing. He loved me unconditionally, and tears came to my eyes. I'm normally not an emotional person like that, but I was overwhelmed by the love of God. And that has, has always prompted me to try to be loving to others. You see, that's what he's saying here. If there's any incentive that comes from God's love, then love others that way. Love others that way. You see, the moment you receive Christ, the Bible says the Spirit of God comes into your life and he sheds the love of God abroad in your heart. That is to say, you have the capacity to love. You maybe didn't love, well, not maybe, before Christ, you didn't love. You maybe put on a good front, you maybe smiled a lot, but you didn't really love. But now in Christ, you have that capacity to love. And when we remember how much God loves us, that's the example and that's the incentive and the motivation to love others. Look at Romans chapter 5. Have you learned more about God's love? And that's why it's so important to study about the love of God. Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, what he, he doesn't mean to say that we're not sinners now, but what he means to say is that when we're in that state of only being sinners, no obedience, no godliness, that's when Christ died for you. That is the love of God. God shows us his love in that while we hated him, he still demonstrated his love for us. We're all familiar, most of us, with John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But there's another John 3.16. It's 1 John 3.16. And that speaks of not, not really God's love so much as our own love. 1 John 3.16 for we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I don't think he means go to the cross for them. Sometimes it's easier to die for somebody than to live for them. If there's any incentive that comes from God's love, then you be harmonious and loving to others. You know, we have to be very honest at this point. Sometimes Christians are difficult to get along with. Really difficult. They are often dogmatic, I should say not they, we are often dogmatic on issues that we ought not to be dogmatic on. That becomes difficult to build relationships with people like that at times. We are very opinionated. We are sometimes overly pushy. We don't know when to take no for an answer. And our natural reaction is to shy away from people like that. At least that's, that's my natural response. It's to just kind of back off and, and separate from him or else clash with him. There seems to be no middle ground. But this truth gives us middle ground. You know why? Because I have to remember, you know what? I'm at the head of the class when it comes to being obnoxious, dogmatic, pushy, never taking no for an answer, argumentative at times, and yet God loves me with all my peculiarities. Why, why am I saying that? If there's any incentive that comes from knowing that God can love an obnoxious guy like me, then I ought to be able to love obnoxious people like, well, <laughs> you just put in the word, the name that you want. 
You see, that's what he means. If there's any consolation, any incentive, any appeal that comes from God's love, then you be loving. And that answers the problem. What do I do about those who offend me? You forgive them. You forgive them. Someone spoke to me one day and said, I'm going to sue this other Christian and they've done this to me. And it was an organization. Actually, I'm going to sue this, this organization. I'm going to do this, that. And he said, don't tell me that I ought not to do that. And I said, what? no, he said, don't tell me that the Bible says that I ought not to do that. And I said, why? Why not? I said, have you ever thought about forgiveness? Oh, forgiveness? It's like I was, te- I was telling him, that, now this man claimed to be a believer. In fact, he told me how, how deep he was in the Lord, how spiritual he was. In the same context of wanting to sue a Christian organization. Listen, you need to just forgive. Why? Because you've been forgiven. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Put on a heart of compassion. Be forgiving as God has forgiven you in Christ's sake. There's no question about that. What should I do? The only question is, Lord, help me. How am I going to do this? I make a choice. I choose to love. He goes on. So the first incentive, the first uh, motivation is that we're united with Christ. Secondly, that we are loved by God even though we are people who are not lovable. The third motivation, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any fellowship of the Spirit, and what does he mean by this? I think he's talking about fellowship that comes from God's Spirit because he's speaking in the other verses about something that flows out of it. I don't think he's necessarily talking just about that we have fellowship with the Spirit, although that's true, but I tend to think that he's talking about fellowship that comes from God's Spirit. And what does he mean by this? The moment you received Christ, you were placed into the body of Christ. You became one with him, and it's by the Spirit of God. By the way, that is the only baptism of the Spirit. Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You hear a lot about this reference to the baptism of the Spirit. But the only time the Bible refers to it, refers to it as something that has happened to every single believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For even as the body is one and yet has many members and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. We're one. But how did that happen? For by one spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. We fellowship with one spirit, but we also fellowship with one another because the spirit of God has given us that fellowship. It is supernatural to have fellowship with other believers. In my limited travels around, one of the great joys is to meet meet people who I have never met before, and yet there is a partnership, there is a joy there, there is a oneness. Why? The Spirit of God has made us one. And you sense that. There's a witness of the Spirit. And we all have, if you know Christ, you have the Spirit of God who lives in you. You don't have to pray for God's Spirit to come into you. You just have to turn your life over to Him to control you. But the Spirit of God lives in each of us. That is to say, if you have fellowship with the Spirit, you can have fellowship with one another. And what he's saying is, since you do have the Holy Spirit in you, since you have been made to in, to be one who indwells, or the Spirit of God indwells us, and there is that wonderful fellowship that we have with one another as far as God is concerned, then live like that. In fact, a better word than fellowship I like is partnership. We have a partnership. We're one. What hurts you ought to hurt me. What rejoices you ought to rejoice me. And that's the way it's supposed to be. So that's what Paul is saying. If there is any partnership that that comes from the Spirit, and it does, then live like that because you're one with each other. There is a fourth motivation for unity in Philippians 2 verse 1, but we will save that for our next class. Thank you for listening. 
This is Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving there for over 27 years, and now his messages are being transformed to radio format through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by listeners just like you. Lakeside Community Chapel is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road, which is halfway between US 19 and the beach in Clearwater. If you're in the area on a Sunday morning, please feel free to come worship with us. If you would like to hear today's program again, stop by our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also make previous classes available on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. The entire message from which today's class was taken is available on a CD or a cassette. To order yours, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. What are some signs of unity in a local church? In the next verse-by-verse, Pastor Steve will share that fourth motive for unity, and then we will see some of the marks of unity. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.